Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Anthony Heron on 670 The Score. For the better part of the next three hours, I am your voice. This is Anthony Heron on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Broadcasting live from the Score Hyundai Studios, brought to you by your local Hyundai dealers. Where do we begin? Man, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Big Ant Heron. And there is so much for us to get into over the course of the next three hours. It is hard to dissect which one means more. But because there has been more buildup in the news of the evening, I'm sure many of you are aware at this point what has been developing and what has taken place. Let's start on the baseball side of things where, yes, our long national nightmare has finally Come to a close. The baseball season will commence. There was so much hand-wringing and consternation and all the various different negative connotations you can put into what everyone's been waiting for. And a lot of folks throughout the day, throughout this week, throughout the 99 days that the Major League Baseball lockout was going on where the owner said, nope, you cannot show up, you cannot play ball, you cannot do anything until we get a new CBA negotiated. The collective bargaining agreement has been agreed upon, and uh, the owners voted to ratify it, so it is official. Baseball lockout is now over. So what does that mean? That means that the the CBT will go up to that $230-plus million range, upwards of $244 million. Uh, the, the fourth CBT tax level can even add an additional $60 million to that. Going to raise the minimum salary of players from 700000 up to that $780,000 range from just under 600000 So you're going to see minimum salaries for players based off of their experience, their status in the league, go upwards of over 700000 as the league minimum. $50 million pre-arbitration bonus pool will be there as well. 12-team expanded postseason in baseball also. There's a lot of haggling going on from 12 teams to 14 teams in that range and also the implementation of a six-pick draft lottery. Going to see the amateur draft be 20 rounds, minimum five minor league options per season, and the universal DH. And that's, to me, one of my favorite things about 
about what's played out here, what's actually going to take place because they didn't sort of just leave a lot of the rule changes, a lot of the the potential implementation of of enhancements to the on-field version of things, to the play on the field. They attempted to improve the game itself as this all was playing out. And like we've all been watching here in recent days, as it seemed like maybe the, the deal was getting close yet again, and as folks were, were sort of you know not wanting to get too excited with some of the reports that were out there that were going on and, and thinking that maybe the deal was getting close and then it felt like the rug kept getting pulled out from under folks over and over again when you know some of the rumors were beginning to swirl. Then finally, today it took place, and not only do you see the deal get ratified for the financial terms, but really the rules changes were, were the item that, as, as far as the rules on the field of play, was what the players actually sort of put up less of a fight about. And as rule changes end up you know, being implemented in the seasons to come, then we're going to see where uh, the baseball baseball owners and there's going to be a, basically an executive committee, a rules committee that will be in place within a 45-day window that's going to take place over the offseason, then they're going to have the ability to put new rules in place that players will have that 45 days to sort of get themselves accustomed to, and then they'll be implemented by the following season. You're going to get 162 games. Opening day is going to be on April 6th. Uh, March 13th is going to be the mandatory report date for spring training. So get excited. If you weren't already excited, you should be now. Baseball season is going to be here. We'll discuss that in great detail throughout the evening, but also, of course, the huge news that took place not long after the CBA was agreed to by baseball owners and by the Baseball Players Association. You saw the Khalil Mack trade that came down as well. The Chicago Bears, their general manager, their first year, GM, Ryan Poles, their first year, head coach, their defensive coach, Matt Eberflus, and his hits principal, Khalil Mack, no hits will be there for Khalil Mack as a Chicago Bear this coming season. And so the, the player who had represented the hope for a championship window, the player who represented the, let's go ahead and call it the all-in approach that the Bears were signaling after drafting Mitchell Trubisky at number two overall and after paying the richest salary that they had ever paid as a franchise to any player, more guaranteed money than any of us had ever seen to a defensive player. The Bears guaranteed those things to Khalil Mack after they went out and made the trade to bring him here to Chicago. So that was the championship window. That was the Bears signaling. We have got our head coach in Matt Nagy. We feel like we have got our quarterback in Mitchell Trubisky. We have got this window for a Super Bowl that we want to maximize and we need in a defense that had already been a top 10 defense in the National Football League, a defense that already had key pieces in Kyle Fuller as a corner and in Keem Hicks as a defensive lineman. We, we saw them go out and say, we need this seminal piece. We, we need this player that can kind of put us over the top on that side of the ball with the expectation that Matt Nagy would be able to get this young, developing, physically gifted quarterback to another level in Mitch Trubisky. None of that ended up being realized, unfortunately, for the team as a whole in the four seasons that Khalil Mack was here. And so now that main cog, that main ingredient that was viewed as being there for the championship window that seemed to develop for the Bears, that 12-4 and division title season in 2018 in Matt Nagy's first year, Mitchell Trubisky's second year, Khalil Mack was at the center 
of that. That acquisition was what signaled the Bears were ready to swing for the fences. It was something that you know, we hadn't necessarily seen the Bears do much of. We've never seen them do it to that extent financially for any other player before. They went there for Khalil Mack. They traded first-round picks. They shelled in all the finances that they could muster to get him signed to a long-term deal. Now he is gone at 31 years old. He is on his way out to L.A. to join up with the Chargers to go join up with his old position coach, Brandon Staley, from here with the Chicago Bears. He has spoken, Khalil Mack, glowingly about Brandon Staley over his time here uh, while he's been in Chicago, just in hearkening back to that 2018 season and what really ended up being his best season, his most productive season that he had while he was here in the four seasons he spent with the Chicago Bears. Coming off of an offseason where – he was out of football, wasn't doing mini camps with the Raiders, anything else. He was holding out, getting some things worked out, and then showed up and showed out on that national stage against the Green Bay Packers and just let the world know. He, he did, uh, as we talk about, I'll go ahead and use one of, the, one of the great baseball puns there. He announced his presence with authority against the Packers and everybody, myself included, tweeting out worth every penny when he's sacking Aaron Rodgers and when he's getting defensive touchdowns. I'm like, man. Is this what the Khalil Mack era is going to hold for the Bears? How can they not make a deep playoff run Is th- if this is the productivity they're going to get from a guy who's in the discussion as the best defensive player in football? And we saw that throughout much of 2018. We saw a version of that in 2019. But every season that Khalil Mack was here in Chicago, he did get a little bit more beat up, a little bit more banged up while he was on the field and rushing the quarterback, even this past season where he played less than, well, less than half the season, played in seven games, had six sacks in that time. But in pass rushing scenarios, he was still a very productive pass rusher. We will end up seeing what this ends up spelling for Khalil Mack in, in, the, in what's remaining of his career. There are three years left on the deal that, that LA is going to pick up. And, you know, who ended up, winning this trade between the the Bears and the Chargers. I think in the end it was a move that made sense for Ryan Poles for the Bears. It would have been great to to come out of this feeling like, you know what, the Bears got a huge haul. Like there's still folks, you know, I was talking the other night after the the Russell Wilson trade got made where Seattle sent Russell Wilson out to out to Denver and you know, they, they got multiple they they got a, a slew of draft picks for for him as a quarterback and even with that huge haul that they got for Russell Wilson it, it still felt like you know there were some questions lingering about who won that trade in that scenario even with everything that that was there from a draft pick perspective to consummate the Russell Wilson deal and this is certainly nowhere in that same vein for for what was gotten what was the the return for Khalil Mack so i mean you know, we'll see. I think in the end, I, I wish they would have gotten a little bit more to make it kind of a slam dunk that, you know, would have been nice to get a first round pick back for it. But there's going to be a lot of financials that they go into what's available to the Bears next season. There's going to be, I think, over $20 million in dead cap space that, that remains for this year, just as far as what the finances say the Bears are allowed to spend for this coming season. So, you know, it, it's not a check that has to get cut for this year, but. The, the lingering effects of Khalil Mack will, will still be felt for this year because of how things timed out, but frees up a bunch of cap space for the following season, and the remaining money on Khalil Mack's contract 
the bulk of that being picked up by the Chargers. So, so those are things that when you're looking at the future of the Bears and their cap situation and freeing up space, the allocation of those resources, I think it makes all the sense in the world for the immediacy of, of what the Bears can try and do to build the roster. I was talking a lot the other night about roster depth and what that means, what it can end up meaning for the Bears with the approach they're taking. You know, I, I, I like the philosophy that goes into it, but I do think there's a lot of good football that still remains for Khalil Mack, even though he's been banged up over the last couple of seasons. You know, my evaluation of what he's doing on the field, what he's been doing when he's been healthy this past season with, with his foot being so messed up, the level he still played at in the games that he was out there, the, the rushing of the quarterback, the sacking of the quarterback, and what ended up being limited reps, he was still very impressive this past year. But how does a guy at, you know, at 31 years old, being just over you know, 250 pounds, and what does he have left in the tank? My impression, if his foot's completely healed, which there's no reason to think it won't be, and you would imagine the Chargers did a deep dive on that before they made the trade for him, I, I certainly anticipate we're going to see high-level play from Khalil Mack uh, while he's out in L.A. That won't necessarily, in my mind, mean the trade didn't make sense for the Bears. I do think it would have been nice to see an even bigger haul come back. In the end, though, the finances of this – are what ends up making sense. So we'll see how how Ryan polls, how the Bears view this as they move forward. Will this end up being a domino effect that leads to more moves? Do they go and tear things down to a large extent? That's not the indication I've been getting for them. My impression is more so that this will mean now they're because we've been talking about it really even throughout most of the regular season, what this offseason would mean for the Bears and the cap situation that they were going to find themselves in, they were going to need to free up cap space somehow. You know, assuming Daniel Trevathan isn't back next year, that was going to free up some. They didn't uh, franchise Allen Robinson again, so there's space available within the cap you can allocate towards receiver. Rakeem Hicks won't be back either. There's some cap space that's freed up. Now, you free up a little bit more for this season, you free up a huge amount of cap space for next season. So now that means you can start to, as opposed to allocating a lot of that, you know, the bulk of the financial resources were on defense for the Bears. Now you can start to shift more of that to the offensive side of the football. And we've certainly heard Ryan Poles indicating that he wants to build that side of the football up, get some playmakers for Justin Fields. Now who's available from a playmaking perspective? Some names out there. We'll get into that throughout the rest of the show tonight. Uh, the guests we have in line for you this evening uh, we certainly will talk in just a few minutes about to take a break and get right quickly to our guy Bruce Levine. We're going to talk some baseball, get into further detail about the deal that was struck between the MLB and the MLBPA. We will also have Will Gottlieb from CHGO Chicago, uh, CHGO Sports. We'll have him on to talk about the Bulls after they're finally getting off the snide, getting a win last night. Ben Strauss, a baseball writer for the Washington Post, who wrote a, a really intriguing piece the other day. Going to talk to him later in the show, and in the final hour, we'll talk to Mike Yam of the NFL Network as well. The plan was to talk about all the different quarterback movement and everything else, but now we got some Chicago-specific news to discuss as well, and Yammer is out there in L.A., so I'm sure he's got the pulse of things there with the Chargers. So, great guests. We will have a lot of open phone lines throughout the evening as well, so you can give me a call, shoot me a text at 312 644 6767. That'll be where the Tech Zone brought to you by Rosen Hyundai of Algonquin. Save time. Shop online at rosenhyundai.com. And also the listener line will be powered by BetQL. Bet smarter and beat the books. Download the BetQL app today or visit betql.com. And baseball free agency 
is going on this evening as well. So we'll make sure as news breaks, we'll bring it to you right here. But let me get out of the way so I can take this time out and get Bruce Levine on the line so he can tell us everything as he understands it and how this will affect the teams on both sides of town. We'll do that next. I'm Anthony Heron. This is Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. This is Sports Radio 670 The Score, Chicago's sports station. I have to say I am genuinely thrilled to be able to say that Major League Baseball's back and we're going to play 162 games. Um, I do want to start by apologizing to our fans. I know that the last few months have been difficult. There was a lot of uncertainty. Um, At a point in time when there's a lot of uncertainty in the world, um, sort of the way the process of collective bargaining works sometimes, but I, 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 I do apologize for it. That was the voice of MLB Commissioner Rob Manfred. You know what? A lot of folks, uh, especially just based off of the time Rob Manfred has been commissioner of Major League Baseball, they hear that apology. They take it with a grain of salt. That's all good because baseball's back. It doesn't matter whether you whether you buy Rob Manfred's apology or not. I do think even though you know somewhat perfunctory, certainly the right thing to do. Fans want to hear that sort of thing. Maybe it's a little bit of pandering, but that's okay. Some of us pander at times. In the end, it's about getting 162 in, and that is what's about to happen. And what's about to happen right now as well is our guy, Bruce Levine, joins me right now on the Score Hotline, presented by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. Man, we have been talking about the potential for this news for a number of weeks, Bruce. So I would say, if nothing else, congratulations to you, my friend. Well, thank you, buddy. Let's uh, congratulate the people that deserve it. And that is the uh, fans of baseball who have been dragged through 99 99 of these and uh, days that really wasn't necessary. And uh, fortunately, you know, the situation is uh, now that the – Baseball will be uh, back for them and uh, back for all of us that love the game. And now we can look to the free agent market as it explodes tonight uh, on the scene, Anthony. We're, we're looking at uh, you know some big-time free agents that have been waiting since December to be able to talk to uh, clubs. And I'm sure the general managers and the owners are uh, in, uh, in fire mode right now trying to add to their clubs. And that will certainly talk through some of the minutia, but I think that's at least a good place to start where names like, you know, Freddie Freeman and, and Chris Bryant and Kyle Schwarber, Rizzo, I mean, you know, some names known and, and excelling here in this town in recent years and some just around the baseball world. They are officially free agents at this point and will be allowed to be signed. So how, how quickly are we, do you, are, are we talking minutes, hours, days? How quickly are these things going to start to materialize? Well, it it just depends on what, who you want to believe as far as it goes, as far as uh, that they haven't really talked to anybody uh, since December 1st. So the rules were, Anthony, that uh, uh, front offices, um, anybody that worked for a club could not talk to agents for free agents during this time period because it was all locked down. You know, typical of uh, what a lockdown really is. Uh, there was work done before that. I mean, there's been reports out there, and I was one, one of the first to report uh, that, uh, you know, the the Cubs uh, were interested in Carlos Correa and that they were getting their uh, ducks in order and, 
and possibly uh, getting ready to make an offer for him back in November and late December before uh, this thing all fell apart. Uh, now, are the Cubs prepared to give him 10 years at uh, $30 million a year? You know, I'm not sure about that. Uh, what I was hearing was more like a seven-year deal uh, for Correa. But again, there's other suitors out there. His own Houston team, the New York Yankees have been rumored, the Boston Red Sox. Uh, these are all viable teams with big market clubs that have the residual dollars to spend. So um, it should be an exciting 72 hours here uh, watching this. And even going forward, you know, all spring training long, there not everybody's going to sign in the first week. You can find him on Twitter at MLB Bruce Levine. My guest here on Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score is the man himself, Bruce Levine. Let, let's, uh, I suppose, somewhat backtrack a little bit then and get into a wee bit of the minutia of the deal itself. You know, as we get to evaluate situations like this in retrospect, folks want to know winners and losers right now. It does seem like in the initial hours since the, the deal was struck, both sides are, are at least, you know, indicating that they're fairly satisfied with where things came out. What are your impressions? Well, I think, uh, you know, ultimately the fans are the winner because you're getting 162 games, Anthony. That That's the key. The, the rest, uh, I mean, do you, you really think Joe Fan cares if the uh, players are getting 575000 or 700000 as uh, entry-level players? I think it's more fair. I think it's more equitable up to the other standards of the other sports now. Um, I think the players' pool is a, a great uh, innovation for uh, players who are in first and second years before they get to arbitration after three, that where they can make more money if they exceed uh, you know, if they're at the top of their game and the top 100 players are, are uh, in that group from the one to twos are more likely to make uh, more money. So the uh, spreading out of the economics of the game to younger players, I, I like that. I like it a lot. Uh, you, you wonder if it's going to impact the middle range player and whether or not they're going to be pushed out of jobs because a lot of the younger players are going to be getting more money. I mean, you know, it's it's an extra one hundred and twenty five thousand dollars. A player times if you got 14 or 15 first and second year players on your team, uh, that's that's money that uh, the owner has to consider. And maybe uh, one or two uh, veteran players who are uh, backups or a fourth outfielder, maybe those guys uh, don't get uh, signed and they go with a younger player. Uh, these are all things that will watch uh, shake out here. But uh, I, I think it was a good deal when uh, no games are lost and Fans get to see 162. I I do like uh, I do like the idea of the rule changes. I do not like Anthony, the idea that we're going to take another year to implement those rule changes. You have mm -hmm. to tell me why the players need a year to get used to the fact that they're going to throw the ball between 15 and 19 seconds, depending on whether there's a man on base or there's not a man on base. Why uh, shifting? Uh, needs to take a year, knowing that they're going to do away with the exaggerated shift. Why bases being uh, elongated have to wait a year to get that done? I, I don't, I don't quite understand why we're waiting. If this is going to improve the experience for fans and it's going to cut time off of games, why not start now? 
I think it's a fair question, and my answer would be that, that athletes are very finicky and, and fickle individuals, uh, you know, to, to tinker with their craft in whatever way that is, and they want to feel like they're getting used to it before it's implemented in regular I season I get it. Games. That's You know what? That's what spring training's for. Hello. <laughs> right, and, and we're only going to get a couple of weeks of that before the season starts, but no. I, I do think it's a more than fair question, but we, we know it's coming, and that's the interesting thing. And the way it's going to be, implemented will will end up involving as it moves forward with additional rules changes that could come down the pipe later on this new joint competition committee and and having the the 45 day notice that works into that kind of break a little bit of that down for us how will the committee and the 45 day window end up functioning well you know it's just about future rule changes and uh giving major league baseball an opportunity to uh, change things without a year notice anthony used to be a year notice that they had to give uh, the players when they were going to make some rule changes that didn't have to be collectively bargained. Now it'll be 45 days notice. So they can give it, uh, you know, in, in December and implement the, in spring training, you know, new rules and regulations without having to give uh, the union a, a whole year. So that, that's an advantage of, uh, of, uh, for uh, ownership, for teams, uh, and, and maybe in the long run for players too, that uh, they don't have to take a year to get these things done. Uh, I, I really think that it's a win-win. There's a lot of positive things in this um, new collective bargaining agreement that's good for the players. There are very good things for owners as well because, as you noticed last week, Apple and the Peacock Network, they're all going to be streaming games. Uh, in the case of Apple, on Friday nights, they'll have exclusive rights to uh, games uh, where other other uh, those games won't be on uh, other carriers. So from that perspective, streaming is a big, big part of the revenues of the game going toward the future. So is uh, gambling, which is going to be almost every team will have some sort of facility on their uh, on their footprint to be able to uh, gamble at the ball games uh, going forward uh, from this year into next year. I know the Cubs and White Sox will both have. Uh, gambling places, um, casinos, if you will, without uh, gaming, that you'll be able to bet all year long on not only baseball but on uh, on uh, on other sports as well. So, from that perspective, uh, this is should be a big windfall for Major League Baseball and their owners. It certainly seems that way. There's no doubt the revenue will continue to roll in. Continue our discussion here with Bruce Levine on Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score, the, the pre-draft combine, do you, do you get the impression that that's something that since, you know, the MLB and, and the MLBPA seem like they're both, uh, I, I guess, even more behind it in, in unison now than the initial season that it took place, and now there's some more rules in place with that where the top 300 players are going to be eligible for it and this Kumar Rocker rule where there's now going to be sort of slotting on on how uh, pre-draft physical can factor into whether or not a player is going to feel more comfortable basically sharing his his physical condition with with a variety of teams and I didn't necessarily know that was as big of a problem I knew basketball had a bit of an issue with the the pre-draft physicals I didn't know that was as much of a concern in baseball so what do you think about the way the combine ended up factoring into the negotiations well I I think it's I think it's really important uh I think that they're going to have to um address this and I think they have addressed it it looks uh looks looks like uh you know they are paying attention to uh the physical well-being of these players and uh 
you know, their competitive uh, abilities before the draft and making sure that uh, they're taken care of when they are uh, looking out uh, on these possibilities for the future. So from all of that, uh, I think I think both sides did an awful lot of good work, Anthony. What do you think it indicates that you had the, the union executive board, they, they voted 8 nothing against this latest proposal, and then the teams end up voting 26-4 to 4 in favor of it, and that ended up being you know, what carried the day. Do you, does that sort of indicate just kind of a schism between the guys at the top of the pay scale versus sort of where everyone else is, like you and I have recently discussed? Yeah, I think you're right. I, th- I don't think there's any doubt about it. You know, you have a lot of uh, very highly paid guys on that uh, eight-man committee, and uh, their their thoughts and the the thoughts of the different clubs, the other uh, 30 representatives that, that vote, um, they went back to their teams. They did a canvas of uh, those teams and, and, and a little bit of a vote, whether they wanted it or not, and uh, they represented their teams. Uh, those uh, union stewards didn't make those calls all on their own. They, they canvassed their teams. And I think that from the perspective of uh, what was going on, I think most of the players felt they had gotten a lot of concessions and they did very well. And it's time to get into camp and start the season. Uh, 162 games. Look, if this went another week further, there would have been no way they'd be able to make up all these games. That means that if they played 150 games, there'd be 12 games where the players didn't get paid. So I, I think uh, common sense told you we're going to get paid for 162. They're going to go back and make up these five or six games that we missed, and uh, it's going to be a beautiful world for everybody involved. I think that's what swayed the vote. Players will report on Monday games spring training games will begin that following weekend really a, a week from tomorrow and then opening day scheduled for april 7th jackie robinson day is still on schedule for april 15th so that's exciting news for everyone who is very concerned about that as well the, the postseason bruce having 12 teams you know we've seen it increase a couple of times here as of late and then it came down to a lot of concern whether it would be 12 teams or 14 teams how do you feel about the upcoming 12 team postseason format I think 12 is enough. You know, uh, Anthony, when the NFL starts, nobody knows better than you in September. Uh, attention spans in certain cities wane when you have an yeah. average team. Yeah. But if it's an average team that has a chance to make the playoffs, uh, you know, maybe that team in Pittsburgh, maybe that team in, uh, in Los Angeles, uh, the second team, uh, may, maybe the attention doesn't go straight to the NFL. Maybe uh, people start paying more attention to the fact that those teams are going to be able to make the playoffs, and you keep that attention span on baseball. It's a very good thing uh, to add to. I was against four more teams uh, because then I think it's really watered down, and, th- and then you're getting toward a uh, halfway point that half the teams make it, and then you really hurt the idea of a 162-game schedule. So from that perspective, I think they did it right. Um, not 14, not 10, but 12 I think is the right n- number for Major League Baseball. Well, we're finally at the point where we can start talking news that's happening on the field. It's so much that so many people have been looking forward to. So make sure you follow him at MLB Bruce Levine. Free agency is upon us. So Bruce is going to be tweeting all about it as things develop. Really appreciate your time tonight, Bruce. All right. Take care. Thanks. That is the great Bruce Levine with me on Chicago Sports Radio 670. Scroll. We'll take a quick timeout. Come back. We had some bulls because the Bulls played last night, and there's some reinforcements on the way. So we had Bulls in the schedule to discuss that, and then all kinds of other news broke. But there's a lot that's happening over at the UC, a lot that will continue. 
to develop there. So let's talk about the Chicago Bulls. We'll do that with uh, one of the main talents from one of the new broadcast properties here in the city of Chicago. We'll talk some Bulls next on The Score. This is Sports Radio 670 The Score, Chicago's sports station. Detroit has not attempted a shot. We're down to the final two seconds on the left wing. Bay for three. Bounce off the rim. No. Ball game over. Bulls win. Bulls win. Bulls win. The losing streak is over at five. And the final from Motown. Sugar Pie Honey Bunch. You know we love you. 114-108. Bulls. I've heard that on a loop since last night from Chuck Swirsky, and I cannot get enough of it. Love the Motown reference there. The Bulls took down the Pistons, 114 to 108. You heard it here on Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score, and we will go out to the Circle Resort and Casino in Las Vegas hotline, home of the world's largest sports book, to continue breaking down not only last night's game from the Chicago Bulls, but what can be expected in the days and weeks to come. We'll do that with Will Gottlieb of CHGO Sports. You can find him on Twitter at, I'm just going to call it, Won't Gottlieb, W-O-N-T Gottlieb. He's here with me now on The Score. Will, what's happening, man? Hey, how you doing? Thanks for having me on. I am doing great. I appreciate you making the time to join. There's a lot of other news around town, but the team that has been bringing the most joy to the city of Chicago here in recent weeks and months has been the Bulls, and you get to talk about them for CHGL Sports. So I'm curious, when you look at last night with the notion that we, we may not be too far removed from reinforcements on the way through the lens of, of DeMar DeRozan, where it felt to me like in last night's game, he was almost kind of pacing himself through the initial three quarters, and Zach Levine looked like Zach Levine a lot in that game and, and attacked the basket. They didn't shoot it well from three, but everyone was getting to the foul line. And I thought overall that allowed some energy for Debo once he got into the fourth quarter. Do you feel like that may end up continuing to be the, the recipe moving forward where we don't see necessarily all out through the initial three quarters as long as Zach Levine can give you enough to keep the Bulls on pace? He's a closer for sure. And, and Billy said as much after the game last night, you know, he's pacing himself out there. He's not wasting energy. And so when that fourth quarter rolls around, he's ready to go. Now, if the Bulls are going to shoot three of 15 from three uh, and, you know, not be super efficient, not get a ton of scoring from uh, anywhere else. I mean, Zach had a, had a pretty nice game last night, as you mentioned, 25 points, Vooch chipped in 21. So they got some scoring, but um you know, as long as, as DeMar's there to, to bring it home, uh, it's all well and good. But I would love to see them um, continue to add points at the three-point line. They did, as you mentioned, a great job getting in the free-throw line last night. So let's see some more of that moving forward. With Zach, the, the fact that he was able to get to the basket pretty consistently last night, that, that certainly, in theory, would indicate, you know, I, I suppose health, maybe sustainability for his knee what do you think the balance will be for him and just how he attempts to to perform, to attack, to sort of tempo himself in games as he continues to, to work through a knee that's going to be a concern for at least the remainder of this season? Yeah, it's really too bad. He's been playing at such a high level last year, obviously had an all-star season. This year, playing alongside DeMar was just as good. Um, and I think he actually slots into that sort of secondary uh, scorer type where he doesn't necessarily have to make all the major decisions. The offense doesn't have to run through him. And instead, he can kind of pick his spots. Um, 
so it's a shame that his knee has not been 100%. And, you know, I think it's kind of the same thing with DeMar. Like, he's going to have to pace himself and pick his spots a little bit more than he probably would otherwise. And that's why I think you see some scoring droughts here and there. Um, you mentioned the reinforcements coming back. I think that will be huge to provide more spacing, some more of those transition buckets um, after a lot of ball turnovers. So Zach is, is going to have to feel it out. And um, hopefully, you know, he doesn't do anything to, to worsen the knee and he can sort of get into a, a groove here heading into the playoffs. Will Gottlieb with me here on the score. You, you mentioned transition, and that's that's something that the Bulls, when they've been at full strength, they're so effective at that and getting out and running. And Lonzo Ball is exceptional at initiating these fast break opportunities. That they're when their offense is clicking, when they're scoring in, in high volume, that's a lot of how they're getting it done. And I I don't completely understand. Like I I know why their half court. I feel like I know why their half court struggles more because they've got some youth there and. They pretty much got the couple of ball-dominant guys between DeRozan and Levine, and you know, folks can kind of tend to sit around and, and watch them when it's happening. I don't completely understand why they're not able to get out and run more frequently. It can't only be about Lonzo Ball not being there. What are you seeing and why we don't more frequently see the Bulls getting out and breaking lately? Well, I think Lonzo and Cruz are a huge part of it. Uh, they, they are just so smart in the way that they position themselves on the court. Obviously, you see them just, you know, hounding guys and stripping the ball and getting out in transition. But I think they just make everybody else's life so much easier around them. Damar and Zach, I think, have been slipping a little bit defensively over the past month or so just because of the, the heavy burden that they're carrying offensively. And so it's hard to really blame them because they're doing so much. Um, but I think that cascade effect of having Lonzo and Crusoe back, um, slotting Javante and Derek Jones Jr. back into a more normal role for them and, and what works the best for those guys as sort of like, you know, 12 to 18 minute a night guys in, instead of 24 to 30 minute a night guys. Um, I think that is just going to go a long way. And as you mentioned, um, those, those transition buckets are just going to make life so much easier because the level that DeMar is playing at right now, the Bulls are one of the top five offensive teams in the league. And that's pretty much all in the half court. So you add those transition baskets um, and, and just take away, you know, some of those opportunities where they're taking the ball out of the out of the basket underneath and having to slow things down. It's just going to make things so much easier on both sides. And that's a really impressive stat when you factor in that the you know the Bulls half court offense just looks more difficult than a lot of other folks because of it's a lot of Demar going one on one and Zach going one on one. There's not the fluidity of movement and everything else like some of the other top offenses in the NBA tend to have especially with sharpshooters that other teams have with more frequency but that they get that part done one thing we didn't see much of last night and that i would assume that part of it is is because of the hamstring of, of nikola vucevic and not necessarily just being at full strength but we didn't see this this uh you know sort of pseudo twin towers type of lineup with both tristan thompson and vooch out there together what are your impressions of what you've seen of that lineup when it's been deployed? And do you think Billy Donovan is planning to go back to it when Vooch is more healthy? It sounds like, you know, it's going to be sort of a situational look where if they're playing a team that has two bigs or uh, a Giannis type of guy who, you know, the Bulls don't really have any of those giant wing defenders who can, who can get up into, you know, a Giannis or a KD and really make life difficult for them. They're relying on, Javante Green, who's 6'4", and he's done an impressive job 
But um, I think the idea there is to just add some size. And Tristan's obviously one at a really high level and understands the geometry of the floor and where to be. And I think last night you saw his leadership qualities as well on the bench kind of ripping into guys um, just before they started to go on a run there in the fourth. But I think that the, the Pistons just didn't really have any big man threat. Uh, so I think that was kind of why we didn't see that lineup as much as we had in previous games. What do you make of the, the, the moment there from Tristan Thompson where he's kind of laying in the guys and apparently Zach Levine was kind of, you know, trying to get some guys fired up as well. We did see a more, a more intense focus on defense in the fourth quarter as, you know, they went into the fourth trailing by seven, and then by the end they, they end up winning by six, and so they dominated the fourth quarter. But, of course, it would be nice to see that same focus on defense the entire game. So what do you make of the, the intangible that, that Tristan Thompson went for in that moment? And There was some, you know, some Twitter reaction like showing Io DeSumo kind of having a little bit of a blank look while it was going on, but whatever yeah. it was, guys did seem to respond. What did you make of that? Yeah, I can see both sides. I can see why, you know, a guy like Tristan who's played six, six, seven games with the Bulls at this point coming in and, and being that super vocal yeah. guy, maybe that rubs people the wrong way. At the same time, I think he really balances out the poise and just calmness that DeMar brings as sort of the only other real veteran on the team. Um, Billy, after the game, was talking about Zach and DeMar and Tristan being sort of the leaders in the clubhouse there. And so even if Tristan isn't at the peak of his powers, um, I think there's value in it if the rest of the team is responding the right way. And whether or not guys like Io liked it, it did seem to work. And I would love to see them play with that kind of urgency and desperation they were saying after the game uh, for 48 minutes. You can't really, at this point, coming off of a five-game losing streak, you can't take anyone lightly. So uh, they finally did turn it on, and Tristan obviously had something to do with that. But we'll see if that presents a problem moving forward. Specifically with Thompson's performance to this point, how do you kind of evaluate just the, the actual tangibles of what he has and hasn't added to the lineup? Yeah, I think he's, you know, the Bulls are a really deep team. Uh, people forget that because half the team's been injured for, you yeah. know, what seems like three months now. Um, but when Caruso, Lonzo, hopefully Patrick Williams, these guys get back in the lineup, all of a sudden Thompson is no longer somebody who has to play, you know, heavy backup five minutes. He can kind of come in and spot minutes when the Bulls are facing a team that has a guy that he can match up with. So I think of him more as sort of a situational uh, strategic option that Billy can go to as opposed to uh, sort of savior off the buyout market. I don't think that's necessarily the right way to think about him. Well, if Tristan Thompson isn't the savior, then there's a hope that perhaps Alex Caruso can be, maybe Patrick Williams can be, perhaps Lonzo Ball eventually will be, and that's kind of the order that they're expected, you know, some of them returning to contact already. Maybe we'll see Alex Caruso as soon as this weekend. So how, how do you see those dominoes playing out as far as the, the timetable? And then what effect do you think each of them would have in, in returning to this lineup as it's currently constructed? Yeah, you said it. I mean, it sounds like that is the order. Um, Crusoe is cleared for full contact. Um, and my assumption is that that means he'll be coming back pretty soon. Patrick Williams uh, is cleared for some contact, which I guess means one-on-one and two-on-two workouts, but not quite five-on-five. And Lonzo has yet to be cleared for contact. So um, that seems like the order. And I wrote about it today for allchgo.com. Caruso is one of my favorite players. The way that he um, just inspires the rest of the team 
to defend at such a high level, both just with his energy, but also his skill as a defender, the way that he navigates screens um, really helps Vucevic look a lot better down there. I think some fans have been critical of him as a drop pick and roll defender. Um, The ability to just get right over those screens, stay with the ball handler, um, knock the ball away. You know, you you basically have to have like a really high level dribble if you're going to try to get around Caruso, otherwise he's going to rip you up. So, Uh, I I think he really changes the entire defensive identity of this team, and I'm really excited to have him back. And then offensively, um, just another one of those guys that can shoot, provide some secondary playmaking, um, you know, catching reversal passes and breaking down defenses. So I really think both from a depth standpoint, um, obviously from a defensive standpoint, but offensively too. I mean, he's just such a well-rounded role player um, and plays at such a high level that the Bulls have really, really missed him. Uh, their defense has dropped, I think, 13 spots in the defensive efficiency without him in the lineup. So um, he really needs to come back soon because the Bulls' defense has been uh, not where it needs to be if they're going to make a playoff run. And, and last one before I let you run, I'm just curious if the as the lineup gets back to full strength, what are your impressions of what the Bulls can be or, or will be by comparison to the rest of the Eastern Conference? Yeah, it's a really interesting question. Um, Teams sort of ebb and flow throughout the course of the season. You know, the the Celtics, for example, got off to a really disappointing start. And since basically the turn of the year, have been the best team in basketball, playing defense at at a super high level. Their net rating is the best in the league. Um, But when the Bulls faced them early on, they just weren't really this version of themselves. So it's interesting to think about, you know, you know, by contrast, the Bulls started off really hot, and so they're not playing at their peak right now, I would say. Um, it's really hard for me to evaluate what they will look like until they're fully healthy. Um, right now, obviously, I don't think that they're competing with anybody at a super high level um, unless DeMar continues to, you know, break Wilt Chamberlain records, um, which could happen. I mean, who knows? But I think they really need Lonzo and Crusoe especially to come back um, if they're going to have a chance in the playoffs. The Sixers are playing the Nets right now on TNT. This has been a fantastic game, both super high-level teams. So there's a lot of great teams out east, and the Bulls will need to be fully healthy in order to compete. And I think if they are, they can hang with most of these teams. Um, 76ers scare me quite a bit. Obviously, we saw that last (laughs) Monday. But, uh, yeah, I think they're, you know, around that same level, I would like to think. All right. That is the power of positive thinking from Will Gottlieb, man. We will see how this thing shakes out. I'm trying to be positive. Yeah, I feel you, and I do appreciate it. I know all the Bulls fans do as well. We'll, we'll get you on again, man. It's a good discussion. Appreciate your time. Thanks for having me on. All right, that is Will Gottlieb of CHGO Sports. You can find his writing at allchgo.com. He's on Twitter at, I'm just going to go with, Won't Gottlieb, W-O-N-T Gottlieb. Now, we got some old phone lines on the way here at 312-644-6767, 312-644-6767. There is so much to react to. Both sides of town going to be back in action in the days to come from a baseball perspective. And that Bears championship window, the, the pinnacle, the beacon of that, Khalil Mack being traded out west to L.A., going back to the AFC West. Your thoughts, your reaction, what does it mean to you? Are you excited? about Khalil Mack being gone because it indicates the Bears will have more cap room to spend. Are you upset that Khalil Mack is gone because they didn't get the return you were hoping for? How does that balance with the excitement you have for baseball being 
back. We are just days away from folks reporting, just days away from spring training taking place, just weeks away from opening day. The season has been saved, and we're talking about it right here on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.